The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome inside another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake, happy to have you with us this week. This is episode 5 of season 4, and yes, we have some real games to talk about. We have some action from last week in Ohio and some West Virginia action, opening week in West Virginia to talk about. If you're just joining us for the first time, we thank you. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. New episodes drop every Wednesday. This is a podcast about high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley, covering both sides of the river, West Virginia and Ohio. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. We'll have some news and notes for you from this weekend, a recap last week's action. Plus, Tara Malone and I break down some of our thoughts on the openers. What is the most important opener in the area and which teams face the biggest hurdles in their openers? Which teams most need to win their season openers? We'll also take a look at the games of the week around the area as well. We will get into this week's games in just a few moments, but some breaking news that happened happened just before we released this episode on Wednesday. The episode was pretty much done, and then this happened, and we had to go in and make some amendments to the episode, so forgive us if we haven't taken them all out. But Parkersburg South season opener against Capital is not going to happen Friday as originally planned. Capital High School moved to remote learning on Tuesday, and they've canceled all extracurricular activities through the end of the week. That means they cannot host Parkersburg South and Varsity Football on Friday, as was originally scheduled. So that game will now take place Monday and it has been moved to the Erickson All Sports Facility where it will kick off at 7 o'clock Monday. It was originally set to be played at Laidley Field at the University of Charleston Stadium but now that will not only not happen on Friday but it will also happen in Parkersburg. That's a big change. So South and Capital the latest COVID related casualty of our high school football schedule this season. It moves from Friday at 7.30 in Charleston to Monday at 7 p.m. at the Erickson All Sports Facility in Parkersburg. Capital High School, though being Kanawha County's largest school, leads the county in the number of COVID cases. There are several kids quarantined there at Capital High School, and I think this postponement may only be a stay of execution for this game. It is possible the game doesn't happen entirely between Parkersburg South and Capital. Schools that, by the way, do not share a mutual open date. They have their open dates a week apart in early October. Um, But I think what this postponement does is it gives the school officials there and the health officials there some time to kind of reevaluate and see where they are and look at where this spread might go so they can contain the spread within the school population and see if it's even feasible health-wise for this school to play football even as early as Monday. School officials there say a decision will be made by Sunday evening so if you look at our outlets on Monday morning we should know whether or not there'll be football played between Parkersburg South and Capitol but it is so far one of the more noteworthy postponements. We've already seen Liberty Harrison and Elkins postponed. Tara Malone will mention that later on in the show. And also yesterday, the game between Bluefield and Graham was postponed. Graham, a school on the Virginia side of the border in Bluefield. Of course, Bluefield High School, the Beavers, a Class AA powerhouse, and that's a huge rivalry game that's played at Mitchell Stadium down there every year. And it's a game that people get up for and they look forward to. It's kicked off the season for a long time, traditionally, and it has been postponed because of COVID issues down there at Graham High School. So, again, Bluefield, Graham, Parkersburg, South Capitol, Elk 
Pelicans' liberty not happening. Also, Kaiser not able to play, as Taryn will also mention later in the program. Kaiser not able to play because they had COVID issues earlier in August that have prohibited them from getting 14 practices in. You have to have 14 practices to be able to play in the regular season. So as a team, they've not been able to practice 14 times. So they will not be able to play on Friday when the season is set to open. Thursday night kicked off the season for teams in this area when Bel Air defeated River 34-14 Thursday. It was a seven-point game of the half before Bel Air scored on four straight possessions in the second quarter going into the third to build the lead. Fourth straight time that River has suffered a season-opening loss to Bel Air. They've played in the season opener six straight years. 34-14 setback this week for the Pilots. Again, they've lost their last four season openers to Bel Air after those two teams have met now for six straight years on opening night. River will play Marietta next week. New Philadelphia rounded Marietta 48 to 7. It was 40 to nothing until Marietta scored their only touchdown with fewer than 10 seconds on the clock. So River will host Marietta after hosting Bel Air last week. River's got a nice stretch of home games to start the season. It was really cool to see River featured on WTOV's primetime package of games on Channel 9 up the river. It wasn't all that long ago, it seems, when River did not have a facility capable of doing something like that. Now they've got new turf, a new press box, a new facilities building. Beautiful facility if you've never been up that way or if you haven't been up that way in a while. Also in Ohio, Frontier went to 1-0 with a win over Bridgeport. The passing game looked strong, hit on a couple big plays, as I saw in the highlights from Football Frenzy on WTAP, and the defense looked solid as well. They'll face Payton City this week as the Cougars go to 1-0. Marietta and River are looking to bounce back from losses as they'll play their second games against one another this week. Also in West Virginia, some scrimmage action and not good news for Parkersburg South. They scrimmaged at Fairmont Senior on Friday, and that was stopped after about 35 minutes into the varsity session when senior lineman Aiden Starcher suffered a season-ending injury. Starcher broke his tibia and fibula, both complete snaps. He posted the x-ray on social media and the video from Huddle of the incident. It seems like whoever was pursuing the ball carrier got rolled up onto him, his left leg. The video is not for the squeamish of heart. For Aiden Starcher, he tweeted this, Friday was the start of a new process. I have broken both my tibia and fibula. Both were complete snaps, but this is just the beginning to a small setback setting up for a huge comeback, and I just want to thank God for it not being worse than it was. That's really remarkable perspective out of a young man who just lost his senior season. Certainly want to wish him a speedy recovery. I was there at that scrimmage. They stopped the action for about 30 minutes while they loaded him up into an ambulance, and then after that, they played no more. It looked serious. It is a serious leg injury, but fortunately, nothing more than an injury that will keep him out of football. He'll have a happy, healthy senior year otherwise. We certainly wish him the best on and off the field. They were leaning on him in the run game. They're going to be better in the passing game as well, and that's a team with an undecided quarterback battle that may be favoring Robert Shockey over Turner Garrettson. Shockey is the guy who got a couple series in that scrimmage. They only played two offensive series, and that is the other side of losing Aiden Starcher is the injury itself cost Parkersburg South that chance to really have a fully fleshed out second scrimmage. So any of those positional battles that were still up in the air, things like the quarterback position that could have used a little bit more time to be settled, maybe remain a little bit more unsettled as we go into week one of the regular season. We'll talk to Nathan Tanner later this week. We'll see what he has to say about that situation in our game coverage over on V96.9. But again, only two offensive series in that scrimmage. Outscored in the play where Aiden Starcher went down. That's the good, but the bad is they're going to lose a very critical part of that offensive line. Already some COVID issues affecting teams in the state. Kaiser's scrimmage with Bridgeport was canceled. Kaiser also had to cancel their first game of the regular season against Robert C. Bird because of some COVID issues there. I know there's already been a game moved
moved to Monday night in the state. So Bridgeport is another team that's going to have to go on fewer scrimmage time than many other schools. The lone scrimmage that Bridgeport had was against PHS. Those two teams scrimmaged two weeks ago. Bryson Singer did not play in that scrimmage for PHS. He was out with an injury. Mike Bias talked about that three weeks ago when we talked to him in the preseason preview series on Light Rock 93R's Facebook page. Singer has been nursing a hamstring injury. With someone like him that you're going to rely on to get that offense moving with his legs, you really want to be careful with that, and you really want to make sure that he is A-OK when you need him on opening day. So a smart move there, but again, what level of health will we see out of Bryson Singer as PHS takes on Huntington for real on Friday? The jury's still out on that one. We'll have to see when we get there. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Time to go between the hash marks now, and we'll spend some time on season openers. Tara Malone and I are both going to talk about this today, and there are a lot of teams that are on the fringe of playoff contention in this area, and that's really what Taryn and I are going for here. Not that you want to be talking about the playoffs too seriously in August, but this is a season, a 10-game season, where if you lose one or two early, your chances significantly drop for making the postseason if that's what you had in mind to do. So every game counts in a 10-game season. There are a lot of teams that, through whatever happens in Week 1, can either step out on the right foot and a defiant foot toward the playoffs, or they can take that fringe spot and become even more precarious on that playoff fringe as they continue their 2021 season. So the games that I'm looking for, the season openers that I'm looking at, the teams that most need to step up and do big things this week, how about St. Mary's? Uh, The defending Class A state champions lost a ton on both sides of the ball. We had them on in the preseason preview series. Head coach Jody Moat said that in his years of coaching, 20 years as a head coach at St. Mary's, he's been an assistant on staffs as well before that. But Jody Moat had said he had never had to deal with so much turnover and on both sides of the ball coming into a season. There's been a lot of good coming out of that Roan County program and a lot of buzz that that's an improved team. St. Mary's is going to have their hands full with the Raiders on opening week. Parkersburg South at Capital is a matchup that has intrigued me all summer long. You've got South reloading. They went from 11 wins in 2019 and the semifinals of Class AAA to one win in a 1-7 truncated campaign a year ago. They lost their quarterback in Sam Schuler. He graduated. They lost their top running back in Devin Gaines. Both those guys contributed on the defensive side of the ball. The whole receiving core, Levi Rice, Jake Hogs at Landon Francisco, all of those guys depart through graduation. So a lot of skill players reloading, as we said earlier. Nathan Tander, the head coach of Parkersburg South, has been deciding between Robert Shockey and Turner Gerritsen. I'm hearing Shockey seems to have the inside edge, taking most of the reps with the first team, but that doesn't mean we won't see Gerritsen, or that doesn't mean we couldn't see Gerritsen if maybe Shockey is ineffective. We'll, again, have much more on that situation next week and in our V96.9 game coverage. And then you look at Capital, a team that always seems to have a lot of good athletes, and that's been a competitive program for years. But the guy that ran that program, John Carpenter, stepped down because he didn't think Capitals athletes, compared to others in Kanawha County, were getting their fair share of the resources, the facilities, and everything else that comes with playing high school football. So he stepped down, decided, you know what, I got a family of my own I want to deal with, and I want to raise, and I want to take care of. I don't need this stress in my life. And so he stepped down. Mark Mason, one of his top assistants, assumed the reins. So Mark Mason will make his head coach 
coaching debut of the Capital Cougars. So with a new coach, how has that program coalesced and what do they have as far as athletes go versus Parkersburg South? Will they be ready to go with a new look really on both sides of the ball and get it done against Capital? I think that's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I don't really have a whole lot of empirical evidence to base that on, but I think this is going to be one of those games that stays close and stays interesting throughout. I think this could be one of the more intriguing matchups in the entire state this week in the South and Capital game, and it really depends on what South is able to do offensively. I know they've got an improved line. It'll be a line that's taken a hit with Aiden Starcher out, but that line is beefed up. They looked more confident. They dominated uh, in their first scrimmage on both sides of the ball from what I'd heard. I did not get a chance to attend their first scrimmage against Hurricane, but they dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball from what I heard in that. I saw a little bit of that in Fairmont. I was in Fairmont to see that scrimmage. The secondary play looked like it could be a bit of an issue for Parkersburg South. My color analyst, Bill Marshall, I know was able to see them practice this week. He said they're going to rely on running the football. They're going to rely on getting the ball to their playmakers in space. And I mean, who doesn't? But that line is going to be a big, big factor in what Parkersburg South is able to do. And if they can control the line of scrimmage against Capital, big things may happen for them. But again, both teams come in from a very different direction from where they've been. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to cope with that. And remember, because of the COVID issues at Capital High School, for now, that game has been moved to Monday night at 7 p.m. at Erickson All Sports Facility in Parkersburg. We'll know for sure on Sunday evening whether or not they'll go ahead and play that game on Monday as planned. Williamstown and Waterford. Waterford already comes in having played a game this year, and that's a scheduling disadvantage that a lot of West Virginia schools are going to find when they look to schedule Ohio schools early in the season, and a lot of them tend to do that around here. You see a lot of those intrastate matchups, it seems like, early on, and that's going to put the West Virginia school at a competitive disadvantage. Ohio started last weekend, so Waterford already won and 0 after a 29-7 win at Crooksville, so they've got a game under the belt. Williamstown does not. Also, Williamstown's young in some key spots, the skill positions. they got Trevor Oates returning in the backfield, but they had a quarterback battle in camp as well. And again, as we said, Waterford is on game two. They'll also have Warren Local next week, who will be on game three when that matchup happens. So a tough start to an already rugged schedule for Williamstown, but Williamstown knows they've got bigger things in mind at the end of the season. I talked to Yellow Jackets head coach Chris Beck about that during the Facebook Live preseason preview series, and here's what he had to say about Williamstown's perpetual goal of making it to Wheeling Island at the end of the season. That's always the goal. I mean, young team, old team, doesn't matter. At Williamstown, you're playing for the island. That's the ultimate goal. That's the standard. And I think I've told you before. It's become the expectation. Yeah, it's the expectation. Anything short of that is not, we didn't fill our goals. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're not proud of the kids and the efforts they've given, but that's where we want to end up, and that's where this group wants to end up. And if um, we can come together and put it play as hard as we can, as long as we can, for each other, we can get there. Uh, the, the team's talented enough to do that. Uh, but they've got to put the work in, and uh, and they have to this point, so we'll see how it plays out. That's Williamstown head coach Chris Beck. One more game that I'm looking at as far as season openers that are important to one of these two teams, really both, but particularly Tyler Consolidated in the Tyler Consolidated-Ritchie County matchup. Tyler Consolidated has a rugged start to the schedule as they'll visit Ritchie County and then host Doddridge County and then back on the road with South Harrison with Ritchie and Doddridge back-to-back two playoff teams to start the season for the Silver Knights. And they 
there is a real chance Tyler Consolidated starts the season at 0-2. And even if they don't get the win against Ritchie County, I don't know that that is a complete failure for this Silver Knights ball club. I think the big thing they need to do against the Rebels is to compete, to come out and to play well in all three phases. And they come out of that game with some positives. I think if they build and grow on those positives, even in a loss, and if they stay healthy, then I think that could lead to good things down the road for the Silver Knights. What are those losses where, I know there's no such thing as a moral victory, but it's one of those losses where you come out of it and you learn more about yourself and you take good things from that. You don't get down on yourself and you build from that. If that's the kind of way this goes for Tyler Consolidated, even with a loss, I think that could be a good sign for a good season to come. If you're Tyler Consolidated, of course you like to pick off the Rebels. That'll be tough. They've got third-year starter Ethan Hodd, who's only a junior quarterback. Gus Morrison, the reigning LKC Player of the Year, coming back as well. So that won't be an easy task for Tyler Consolidated, but if they can play well, anything can happen. Our statewide correspondent, Taryn Maloney, joins us this week. We missed him last week. Taryn, of course, works for Metro News and is a student at the Reed College of Media at WVU in Morgantown. He shares his thoughts on big openers, not just in the area, but around the state of West Virginia this week. Hey, Eric, I appreciate you having me on the program once again this week. We're looking at some games locally in the mid-Ohio Valley that I'm keeping my eyes on for the preseason purposes and beginning of the regular season. Starting out with Parkersburg South Capital, the Patriots are seeking to bounce back after a difficult season from a year ago. Meanwhile, the Cougars are looking to bounce back into the playoffs under new head coach Mark Mason. My second game I'm keeping my eyes on, Ravenswood at Magnolia. The battle between the Red Devils and the Blue Eagles is set to take place in New Martinsville as both teams are seeking a playoff berth this upcoming season. Ravenswood, however, hasn't defeated Magnolia since 1980. These two programs haven't met on the gridiron since the 2010 Class AA State Championship game where Magnolia won that contest 28-13. Moving on, Tyler Consolidated taking on number 3 Ritchie County. The Silver Knights will have their hands full with the Rebels of Ritchie County. However, the golden opportunity awaits for Ryan Walton's ball club to pick up a quality win against a highly ranked opponent early in the season. Meanwhile, Coach Rick Hunt has led the Rebels to a 27-8 record in just three straight seasons. In the games that we are looking at statewide this week, we go to Class AAA, number 4 Cabell Midland that went 5-0 a season ago. They'll take on number 3 Spring Valley that went 4-1 also a year ago. Each one of these MSAC rivals have made the trip to the island in recent years. The Knights defeated the Timberwolves twice en route to the Super 6 State Championship weekend in 2019. Cabell Midland leads the series 15-10. Joe Bricado will have highlights and analysis from that game on Friday evening. My game this week, number 2 South Charleston that went 6-0 last season that claimed a Class AAA State Championship. They'll be taking on Morgantown to Mohegans that sit at 3-3 from a year ago. The Black Eagles will head north following an undefeated season. Meanwhile, Sean Beiser will enter his second season leading the Morgantown Mohegans. In the final game that we're keeping our eyes on as well, number six in Class AA Independence that went 5-3 a year ago. They'll be taking on Liberty Raleigh that went 6-1. These two rivals will meet in southern West Virginia. Liberty defeated Independence 36-26 last fall. And taking a look at some notes statewide this week, Eric, already this week we've already had a COVID-related cancellation. Robert C. Bird and Kaiser was set to take place Friday. Kaiser, however, released in a statement that they are unable to play due to COVID-19 issues. As of right now, Robert C. Bird will have a bye week this week. Elkins and Liberty Harrison, that game's been postponed until Monday, August 30th. And then finally, Eric, Weir and Oakland, the game will take place at Brook 
Stewart County High School at 7.30 on Saturday. And from across the state of West Virginia, I'm correspondent Taryn Mullen for Metro News. Back to you, Eric. Thank you, Taryn. A couple thoughts on some of the games that Taryn brought up. Ravenswood Magnolia was just close from making my list. That was one I thought about putting on but left off. Ravenswood Magnolia is a game where I know Ravenswood's been a perennial favorite over the last few decades in West Virginia, but they've slipped a bit in recent years. Magnolia has got a veteran squad, and they played hard last year to get the wins they managed to get, and notably won against what was a 4-0 Frontier team at the time, a team that ended up winning the first playoff game in Frontier High School history. Magnolia is looking for big things, and they are thinking playoffs this year. I know times have been rough in New Martinsville lately, but the Blue Eagles are wanting to go to the playoffs, and as Coach Dave Chapman said to me in the preseason preview series, we got guys that are looking around this locker room and say, you know, Coach, enough is enough. We're tired of this. They're tired of the way things have gone the last couple years. They want to turn things around. The buy-in just really seems strong out of the Magnolia Blue Eagles this season. The games Taryn mentioned statewide, Cabell Midland and Spring Valley, that is a heavy hitter matchup for an opening week game. Those two Huntington area schools that have been good in the last several years, as Taryn said, they've got pedigrees on Wheeling Island, and they've been perennially the top 10, if not the top 5, in Class AAA in West Virginia. South Charleston and Morgantown, you've got the defending champions in South Charleston, a team that was fully loaded and maybe came on a year early, to be quite honest, because I saw them in the playoffs in 2019. They were 4-6, and six, got in with a bunch of sophomores, so they will be solid again this year. And Morgantown is the poster child for why the 10-game schedule works in West Virginia. They were 3-3 three and three last year in six games. They got a late start because of some COVID issues in Montegalia County that limited them from playing in September. But that was a team that really came together as the year went on. They had a ton of talent last year, and if given 10 games and the time to mature and coalesce the way that teams tend to do when they've got that amount of time, I think Morgantown would have gotten into the playoffs and made some noise. In my opinion, they were one of the 16 best teams in Class AAA. Unfortunately, they didn't even qualify for the playoffs, much less get to play. I know a lot of teams that did qualify didn't get to play, but again, Morgantown didn't even crack that top 16. They definitely would have if they were given a little bit more time. And then Independence and Liberty Raleigh. We don't talk about Class AA a ton on this show because as of right now, this area is devoid of Class AA teams in West Virginia, but both Independence and Liberty Raleigh gained some attention for how they finished last season and what they did last year and how they'll go into 2021. So the Beckley area, an area that's flush, Beckley, Fayetteville, Oak Hill, that is flush with Class AA teams and good Southern football. Uh, I think that's going to be a big thing to watch this year in Class AA and Independence and Liberty Raleigh right from the jump. It'll be a fun one to get started. Taking a look at the stations of Seven Rangers Radio, Light Rock 93R resumes another year of coverage as they will have St. Mary's and Roan County, the defending Class A state champions in St. Mary's and an improving Roan County team. V96.9, once again the home of the Parkersburg South Patriots, will have Parkersburg South and Capital. That, as I've said earlier, is a matchup that has just intrigued me for most of the summer. The more I think about this, the more I think it could be a shootout. I'm not saying it's going to be a high-scoring game, but it could be back and forth with lead changes, maybe even some momentum swings as well. I think we're going to learn a lot about both of these schools. I don't think a win or loss will sink either one of these schools, but I think this is going to be a character-building game for both of these schools, a good, tough opponent in Week 1. Capital, of course, replaces Ripley that was on the schedule for a long time as Parkersburg South season opener. These two teams were supposed to play in the opener last year. Of course, the opening weekend was pushed back a week so that last weekend of August's action didn't happen, and South Capital, unfortunately, was a casualty. Not that Capital would have been able to play anyway because of Kanawha 
county's status on the color-coded map, but either way, it'll be fun to see that happen this year. It'll be fun to see something different for Parkersburg South. And remember, because of the COVID issues at Capitol High School, for now, that game has been moved to Monday night at 7 p.m. at Erickson All Sports Facility in Parkersburg. We'll know for sure on Sunday evening whether or not they'll go ahead and play that game on Monday as planned. And then WVAM in its second year of covering PHS football will see the Big Reds take on Huntington. Huntington's always a competitive team in the MSAC. PHS has a senior-laden group as well, but how healthy is Bryson Singer, and will we see him, and to what extent will we see him on opening week? I think that's going to be a big storyline for that crew. John Chalfant is joined by Dave Grandy, veteran newspaper man, joins John Chalfant this year on our WVAM broadcasts. Of course, as we said on V96.9, I'll be joined by Bill Marshall and Randy Kildensolving. Bill Marshall steps in for Garrett Fur. I want to thank Garrett for his three years, just a lot of companionship and, and good effort and good work. Appreciated being with him for that time. And as always, Light Rock 93R has got Dave St. Peter and John Mike Nichols. So those are the games we'll have on our stations of Seven Ranges Radio. My games of the week in this area. We've already talked about Parkersburg South and Capital a lot. I think it could be one of the more fun games in the state, and especially here in the Mid-Ohio Valley. Williamstown and Waterford is an interesting one for me because of what we were saying earlier. Williamstown is a little young up front. Williamstown has a quarterback battle that's unsettled. This may be one of those cases where they need to get Trevor Oates the ball and let him cook and let Trevor Oates do what it is he needs to do. And this game may well be in his hands offensively for Williamstown. They'll have to be fundamentally sound and and be a good, clean tackling team on defense and get things done that way and maybe force a couple turnovers. We saw that out of Frontier. Frontier forced a turnover on defense last week and the same might apply for Williamstown this week. If they can force some mistakes out of Waterford, who'll be playing their second game, mind you, whereas Williamstown's playing their first. But if Williamstown can force a mistake and can take advantage of that mistake or even an unforced error, then that might bode well for Williamstown and might be the difference between a win and a loss in that season opener. And Marietta and River. Marietta's got a bit of a different schedule this year. They don't have Williamstown on the schedule, whereas they've had them for many years lately. They've got Athens on the schedule. Ripley is back on the schedule. Ripley is a team that Marietta has scheduled in the last couple years. They're back again this year. And they'll finish up with Warren, which is a really interesting team, as Marietta is transitioning out of one league and into the Ohio Valley Athletic Conference. And that is a good move for Marietta. They fit so firmly into the footprint of the OVAC, and there are a lot more schools that align with their size, how competitive their programs are. i got to give some credit to my former high school baseball teammate, the athletic director of Marietta High School, Cody Venderlick, for positioning his athletic department in a program where they're going to be poised for some success. It's a good geographic fit. A lot of those OVAC schools are up either Route 7 or I-77 to 70, depending on however you want to go. So the travel's good. It's a different direction from where they're used to going. Marietta's used to going further into southeast Ohio, maybe, or even up by 77 already. So in some cases, it's a bit of a shift. But you're going to be getting them in a league with schools in which they're going to be a lot more competitive. And I think if they're more competitive, which in a lot of sports, Marietta really hasn't been in the last several years. If they're more competitive, that's going to lead to more participation. We've already heard coaches talk about that in that preseason preview series. Success breeds participation. And if you get more kids involved, you're going to get more talented athletes involved. It's not just about a numbers game. There are talented athletes and there are those with athletic talent in school systems that don't come out to play sports. That might be such a foreign concept to those of you who don't come around games a lot or don't spend a lot of time around these programs, but there are a lot of coaches that'll tell me that they've got multiple kids walking around the hallways that could start and would start for them, or at the very least would see significant playing time, but they just don't. And the reasons they don't, there's a number of reasons. Why is it that kids don't do anything? Whoever knows entirely, but for some it's barriers like money and finances and, and getting to practices and games. They don't 
don't have a car, they don't drive themselves, and that has been an issue in some places. And then for others, it's just wanting to do other things with their time. Kids now have so many options, of course, with mobile devices and every other sport or club or organization you can get into. Or there's a lot of kids that don't get into anything and maybe go work and make some money. Some kids get a little bit of a jingle in their pocket and they like how that feels and they just keep going and and don't come out for sports. They'd rather go make the money and be able to run on the weekends. So there's just a number of reasons why kids don't come out. And they're good athletes in every sport that don't come out. So the success that Marietta would see in the OVAC, or at least by playing more competitively in the OVC as compared to some other conferences, I think that's going to breed some very good things for Marietta. River coming off a loss to Bel Air. Mike Flannery's group always seems to bounce back. Again, they've lost four straight years to Bel Air, and they've been in the playoffs, I believe, three of those four years. So they don't stay down very long. You can't keep the pilots down long. You can't keep Mike Flannery down long. I think Marietta River is a more competitive game, despite River's smaller status. River's a small school, but that's a, a good football program. I think that's a competitive game, and I think River will be the one that I'd give the edge to on Friday night. If you haven't already done so, our entire Facebook Live preseason preview series is finished. It's on Light Rock 93R's Facebook page. Like us at Light Rock 93R on Facebook. 11 interviews with 11 head coaches from schools from around the area. That's a good way, other than listening to this podcast, to get ready for opening night. Hear from the coaches themselves, what they got to say. Of course, if you listen to Frontier's Russ Morris, Rivers Mike Flannery, and Marietta's Jason Shobe, just know that those schools have already played. They're already a game into their seasons. But all those West Virginia schools kick off this week, and we wish all those coaches and teams and players good luck stay healthy keep doing the thing you're doing but if you're looking for things to do other than listening to this podcast to get yourself informed and up to speed on the high school football season the light rock 93r preseason preview series is something i firmly recommend i am of course biased in the matter because i did those interviews again new episodes are available every wednesday download those and subscribe on soundcloud and apple podcasts rate us and review us on apple podcasts if you've not already done so like the facebook page at the eric little high school football podcast next week Taryn and I will be back with more you'll hear some of Taryn's thoughts from opening week in West Virginia I'll have some of mine some news and notes as we're finally into regular season action it seems like we have so much time to deal with in the preseason trying to get you up to speed and ready for the year and then once we get into the season it goes by in an instant you blink and you miss it it goes fast for Tara Malone and of course Chris Beck from Williamstown High School for joining us as well my name is Eric Little thank you so much for listening to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.